It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. All right, today we're going to take a look at a report from Brightfield Group, the latest trends in cannabis. To help us do that, Katrina Gogowski, angel investor and attorney. Katrina, thanks for being back with us on The Talking Hedge. Thanks, Josh. So consumer trends starting out, it looks like um, they are using marijuana more frequently than previously surveyed new users. 50% new recreational cannabis users in the fourth quarter of 2020 use cannabis five days a week. Wow. Uh, The only question I have is what is new cannabis users like first timers or first timers into a dispensary? What, what is, what is that statistic? Cause, uh, that just surprised me from somebody goes from zero to five times a week. Yeah, there was a lot of anxiety with, during the election, I remember. So fourth quarter, I mean, it wasn't so much the pandemic, but maybe it was the in-laws when you're you know, going to Thanksgiving or Christmas, <laughs> or maybe it's just like election, I don't know. But um, yeah, five days a week, that's, that's quite a bit. So maybe they're not going to the bars, um, could be all yeah. kinds of reasons. Yeah, that's good. I'll take that. (laughs) All right. Gender balance. Uh, The consumers have tips. So the portion of female cannabis users have steadily rose through 2020, reaching 51%. So more than half of cannabis users are female. Is that what it's saying? That's an interesting statistic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's uh, f- as of the first quarter of 2021, cannabis consumers skew younger and are heavier cannabis users than men. So younger women are heavier cannabis consumers than men. That's interesting. That is very interesting, but it might uh, go back to your first point of, you know, with all of the recent societal pressures between COVID and the economy and, uh, uh, raising children 24 hours a day, seven days a week without uh, access to daycare. Maybe moms need it. Yeah, you know, this alcohol is heavily targeted towards women. The amount of, of alcohol consumption by women has skyrocketed in the last decade or two. The rosé all day, the Merlot, mommy, um, all of the, the, those things that are targeted to be sophisticated during the day. Like, oh, you don't have to worry about calories, though. You know, like Coors, those poor bastards have to worry about like seven calories. Meanwhile, nobody looks at at this guilt-free red wine. Um, and so I think a lot of younger um, people, men and women, are looking at, at cannabis and, and kind of going away from alcohol. At least that's what I'm seeing. I think that the, the numbers are kind of showing that, although there's bias no matter where you look. Uh, I think we're starting to see a decrease in the number of DUIs and, and those types of things in legal or reg, excuse me, regulated states. Um, we just had Vivian McPeak on the podcast from HempFest, and he's very adamant that it's not legal. It is regulated. <laughs> so, well, you know, vocabulary counts, right? Yes, English is difficult. <laughs> All right, legalization trends. Americans are ready when the federal government is. I think I just saw something about, um, so Oregon can, can um, they already passed a bill, right, where you can cross state lines. And I think I saw something else. Uh, somebody else wants to 
start selling across state lines. I don't know. They can't do anything, obviously, until it's legal. But cannabis is no longer strictly partisan. You got Republicans and Democrats all wanting that cashola, all that revenue generated. Um, Increased cannabis use over the pandemic has normalized. Recent reports showing 91% in favor of medical cannabis. So... Yeah, how much of that was from Charlotte, of Charlotte's Web, you know, giving kids this thing and showing immediate relief. Like there's nothing more American than instant gratification and CBD with epilepsy and children was that image, that visual that everybody needed. I agree. I agree. Sort of like Ryan White with the AIDS academic, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. 10% of Americans reported using cannabis in the past three months. That is interesting. 30 million people have reported using cannabis in the last three months. That That is a lovely statistic. When you talk about normalization, that that's, that's very telling. I'm assuming that's not cannabinoids like CBG or CBD. I mean, I'm assuming that's just THC. That's, either way, that's, that's pretty good. That's a lot. 300, that is a lot, yeah. 350,000 people at least. All right, is there 350 million people in the U.S. still? I don't know. <laughs> so October 2020, 81% of cannabis consumers said that cannabis helped them deal with the stress of the pandemic. Yeah, that gets to the mommies and to the uh, 50% bump. That's that's a tracking. That's that's uh, makes sense to me. Yeah, and now that they've worked from home, how many are going to want to deal with the commute? you know, the road rage, we've seen air rage just going crazy. And I don't understand like what's in the water with people who are buying airline tickets. Like that's, you know, yeah. dealing with feds at that point. And yet it's like the logic is just out the window. Like they're all meth addicts that are dealing with pleasure and no recourse. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. All right. Next steps to the road of federal cannabis legalization will be likely the Safe Banking Act. So there's a lot of hype about the MORE Act, the Safe Banking Act, what that's going to do. Obviously, once you legalize it and you see um, all of the transactions that are going to come through, that'll really kind of be the gateway to legalization. So they're saying that legal banking provides opportunities for major players to enter and expand in the U.S. and that legal banking will encourage more states to legalize Obviously, they don't really care about the coal memo that's, you know, a guy wrote in, in a previous administration. It's the banks have a charter and that charter is worth a ton of money and they're not going to just give that up because some guy wrote them a, a, you know, a sticky note. Right. I agree. We need we need to pass the SAFE Act. We, we really do. Yeah. As soon as that's going to come through, you'll get a lot more investment from um, you know, other countries, sovereign wealth funds, uh, pension plans, and the like. So it'll be uh, a huge opportunity shift as soon as banking um, allows it to be transparent and open and then lending and, you know, all of that. Yep, follow the money. That's it. So there's some branding trends. Finally, used to all be about the highest THC and the lowest price. And now we're kind of seeing brands finally come through. I know with vape carts, for me, it's all about the brand. Because if you have a consistent bad experience while, when you're spending $60 for a one gram cart, and it 
it uh, clogs or it doesn't work, you know, when you want it to, that's an issue. So branding is becoming more and more of a thing, I think, as we kind of move on. So there was a study that was conducted on cannabis brands in the more mature markets like Colorado, California. And so what Brightfield Group saw was that shoppers are very satisfied with their purchases um, and that once a consumer buys from a brand that they're likely to repurchase it. Kind of makes sense. Brands that only market themselves by attributes and functional benefits are starting to look the same to consumers. Yeah, well, that gets to your point. Uh, if all you're looking is for 20% THC, you don't care about what particular brand. Uh, they all kind of merge together. Right. It's going to have to become more traditional. So it's uh, the traditional cues are price and convenience. So right. as soon as that's normalized and everyone's convenient, and price right, what is going to draw that consumer in? Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think ultimately what that is, is, um, is a brand like Apple, for example, can kind of relate to people and through their commercials or advertising, you're able to evoke emotions where you say, oh, I, I relate to that product or that scenario or whatever. And you get this massive cult-like brand following um, that some company or you know, like cannabis companies like um, maybe Snoop Leaf, you know, in, in the, uh, in California burner is starting to get kind of a national, uh, cult like following because of the genetics and the branding, uh, behind that. So it's, it's starting to, to normalize. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So an emotional connection, that's kind of what I just said, necessary for building loyalty and staying competitive once federal legalization opens the markets to bitter, bigger competition. Um, distribution, <clears throat> I think, is highly underrated. There's a lot of people who have um, followings on social media. They're, they're influencers or they're retired athletes or they just have that exposure and yet they can't sell 35 t-shirts online. If you remember that episode that we covered last year, uh, do influencers matter? And the, the answer was no, they, they don't generate sales they don't actually convert you'll get brand recognition but it doesn't really convert into sales distribution however is clutch this is the key because even though you could get into a ride aid walgreens whatever and you get your 25 stores is anybody buying it no why because you're just saying your t your thc or cbd or whatever you're not differentiating your brand if you can get the distribution to actually get your products in the hands of people with the proper branding, I think that's the combination that is um, undervalued right now is distribution strategic partners. I agree, but the biggest challenge distribution hits is, you know, cross state lines. You know, when you're a mom and pop in uh, Washington, you know, you don't necessarily have the budget to do those types of things. Um, even if you were in Vegas, where there's a huge uh, market in Vegas, uh, you still can't advertise in a magazine on the plane. Uh, it just doesn't happen. Uh, so it, it's a challenge. It, it's a real challenge to get your brand, your name uh, out in front of eyeballs. Uh, you, you can't buy it. So how are you going to do it? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's ways I, I would try to find a strategic partner or, you know, if you're an ancillary company, it's kind of easier. You could find Ooze distribution company, for example, 
um, find a you know strategic partnership out of state and then license your IP or however that works. But I would definitely try to expand and scale and just kind of yeah, first mover advantages. Um, but let's look at this June distribution report on chocolates as an example. So chocolates alone, they're going to surpass 3 billion in sales by 2025. They're a discreet, tasty way to enjoy THC. Lots of room for flavor innovations in chocolates. And um, yeah, it, it, I think that's interesting too, is that there's too much sugar, in my opinion, in the edibles market. There's um, a retired uh, NFL player that I met through uh, an event and his company didn't take off. He had, you know, these, these niche things, vegan, um, uh, keto, uh, um, paleo, all, all these other things. And yet nobody cared. They just wanted chocolate. So unfortunately, um, maybe, you know, as soon as we have ready to drink coffee, then maybe these other foods will follow suit. Yeah. Uh, I think chocolate has a time and a place. I don't think it will ever be the primary methodology of consuming cannabis. Too many calories. Yeah, and the sugar makes me super inflamed, which does the opposite for a lot of people that are looking for the anti-anxiety, uh, the weight, the um, mood altering, you know, like whatever. Um, sugar mm -hmm. is definitely culprit in, in a lot of that, at least for me and a lot of people I know. Um, looking at cannabis candy as a distribution that has saw the most growth on dispensary shelves in 2020. Um, so it looks like uh, positioning is moving for two use cases to unwind and activate. So yeah, indica and sativa, right? Kind of either want to go do right. something or you don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, baked goods. So special brownies had a sacred place in the culture. Um, obviously, yeah, brownies are kind of the thing. Um, I don't really see a lot of companies that actually have, I mean, there's some brownie bites, but yeah, the Chewies for some reason have really taken off as like the go-to. Um, can't have gummies, but you can have Chewies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, baked goods, they only take up three and a half percent of the total market, but 39% of cannabis consumers report eating a cannabis baked goods in the past six months. I think my reasoning behind that is they're very expensive. So for a hundred milligrams, like if you're, you know, doing five, 10 milligrams, then you have 10 doses. For me, a hundred milligrams is like a quarter of a dose. So I'm not going to spend $15 on, you know, a quarter of a dose. So Right. Uh, I'd rather do RSO, you know, Rick Simpson oil, get one gram of that. Um, but even still, I, I think that the price is not there yet. It needs to come down substantially. I view all of these edibles, chocolates, chewies, or baked goods as a entry point for a lot of people who want to try it. Uh, it tastes good. It, it's a familiar, uh, a familiar method of delivery as opposed to a blowtorch and a, and a nail. Um, and I also think some of the drivers for this are when you're stuck at home, you know, you can't smoke in an apartment, uh, you forfeit your deposit, and you don't want your kids seeing a huge dab rig. Uh, so I think a lot of that societal issues are driving the the edible market same thing with the, with the soccer mom you know she she can't go back into her car and and light up a doobie and then go back and cheer on her kids uh, so 
that's where I see the edible market as a whole, uh, along with the beverage market. Uh, but, and we'll see if those statistics hold once, uh, once we uh, have uh, a return to whatever normal is going to look like. Mm -hmm. I just saw that um, New York is going to have um, a cannabis cafe. So there's some chef or something who's wanting to open up some it, it it read to me like like a PR stunt. So my prediction is that two years from now, you'll see absolutely nothing that this is just kind of one of those things where he's either looking for investment capital or trying to improve his name as a chef. Um, but my experience says that he's going to open zero stores and uh, will go absolutely nowhere. So we'll, we'll have to see. <laughs> that might be the case. I don't even think they've opened up the first legal cannabis consumption cafe in Vegas, which I think is the natural starting point, given all the tourism. Uh, so until that happens, I don't think a, a chef in New York is going to achieve it either. No, I mean, you have um, temporary licenses in Denver, and then you have a couple of stores um, or cannabis cafes in California by jurisdiction, like West Hollywood, San Jose, San Francisco. Um, but yeah, are they actually open yet, though, Josh? Yeah, like Lowell's, um, Lowell's Cafe in in Oakland, maybe there's three in LA that I know of that are open, but it's by jurist, it's by like the location of the city, the state of California doesn't have any bill, Colorado doesn't have a bill. Um, so they're open, but they could be closed, just like what we saw in Anchorage, Alaska in 2015, uh, they opened up the world famous cannabis cafe is the name of a cafe in Portland that opened up, they were shut down early. A um, couple of the other ones that were in a gray market, uh, didn't make it through the pandemic, they shut down in Oregon. So yeah, no state technically allows it but there's some out there i just don't know how they're going to generate revenue because if you can't sell food or cannabis what are you going to sell chips and k-cup coffee that's not a with record high prices for real estate there's no revenue to break even right 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 let's wrap this up with market trends the forecast for u.s cannabis will be worth 40 billion by 2025. So US cannabis market has been optimistic since the 2020 election. Uh, although a lot of those, you know, with at least cannabis stocks uh, kind of uh, fell off in late January. So hopefully they'll be revitalized in September with a portfolio asset reallocation that we kind of see every year. Um, so cannabis is on its way to legalization, starting with the Safe Banking Act. Um, I know we also just saw a bill uh, put in, although probably going to go nowhere, but hey, it's historic that it's even getting this much traction and attention. And so with that, we expect it to, to happen eventually, because they need that money. Yeah, uh, the, uh, right now, more than anything else, economics is driving legalization. Yeah, I would be really careful, though, because I, I feel like there's a lot of companies that are going to get screwed over the grow, for example, it's it's going to be commoditized. And there's no farmers that I know that drive Lamborghinis, um, except for the tractors, those are like 250,000. Uh, 
I, you know, the rec shops are getting screwed right now in California because the producers, the growers and the, the processing companies are selling direct to consumers. I don't know how they're doing it. I don't think it's technically legal, but through the delivery, they're just bypassing the retail shops altogether. So these poor bastards that spent $25 million in Arizona might have nothing if the federal system comes in and just allows anybody, you know, or, or just changes it. So um, it's kind of a gamble right now in terms of investing, uh, you know, at the private equity stage, because you don't really know if it's going to be business as usual with that legalization, if the licenses are going to stand and, and be a going concern, or if they're just going to be obsolete and worthless. Uh, I agree with that, Josh. I had a, a an individual here in the sunny state of Washington, and our timeline is, you know, we're in mid-2021 right now. He's like, I need investors. And I said, oh, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I have a producer processor license in Washington. And, and I'm like, oh, good luck to you, buddy. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, do you just need some operating capital to get you over a hurdle? He's like, no, um, uh, we need to buy some stuff and find some stuff. And we hope to get started sometime in October with our indoor grow. And, and I just felt so bad for this guy because even if he has the best idea in the universe, He's not going to raise a shiny penny in Washington to to start at this point. He's too late. Way too, too late. late. You know how many people that we've met that have put in a million dollars to grow and never produced a single gram and had to walk away? I mean, this guy, <laughs> you know, and that that was that was several years ago. That was like 2017 when we were seeing that. And yeah. so this guy um pie in the sky numbers like i mean <laughs> go to new york and pretend you're going to get seven thousand dollars a pound but why are you here now doing that that's crazy unless you know you're doing a strategic partnership and trying to bring someone's genetics and brand from you know east coast and trying to do that but to create a washington brand now at this stage crazy yeah, I mean, I really wish him the best of luck with his vegan cannabis brand. I, yeah. I wish him yeah, luck. Yeah, that's niche. That's super niche. Um, I see a, a market for vegan, gluten-free, paleo, um, all of that. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't think they're going to get the valuations that they're thinking they're going to get. Although we are kind of to, to uh, grab this last little thing here acquisitions heating up we also we are seeing a lot of mergers and acquisitions taking place um and those that don't i don't think are going to have a legacy i don't think they're going to to stay in business it's now is the time to you know get as if you can have six retail licenses do it uh, you know if you can expand into california and and across the west coast do it if you think you're going to just stay in washington or just stay in your little bubble man you are gone Name, name another industry that has 400 other growers. You don't have 400 um, tomato growers. You know, you might have 400 Christmas tree farmers, <laughs> uh, but yeah, how much are you getting for, for that tree? Yeah, uh, and what's your profit margin on your four acres of Christmas trees? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
so there's yeah there's still a lot of people still getting a lot of decks um you know from people that aren't generating revenue who are looking for 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 venture capital not even angel investors they think they're going to get vc and it's like nope that boat left a long long time ago <laughs> yes it did yes it did so well i wish i wish the vegan cannabis guys uh, all the luck. Uh, I think it's just uh, terrible, terrible timing, uh, specifically in the state of Washington. Oh, horrible market for that. Uh, California, mm-hmm. you'd have a much better market for vegan down there. Um, it's just not the same up here. If you do CBD and you can sell across state lines, then great, go for it. I think there's a market for that. Uh, but to be to confine yourself to this petri dish experiment in washington man you have no clue what you're doing i don't even know who you <laughs> are uh, but my opinion is you're clueless uh i'm i'm, I'm not going to comment you, you don't have to I'll, I'll give the tough love <laughs> i wish them i wish them good luck <laughs> yeah yeah all right with that good luck i want to thank my guest katrina glugowski angel investor and attorney thanks for being back on the talking hedge Thanks, Josh. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humiston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.